I want to talk to you this morning about how much God loves you. And to, uh, to get your mind going along the lines that we're going to be talking about, I want you to remember in your lifetime, someone in your life, maybe your parent, uh, maybe a, a good friend, maybe a teacher or a coach or someone like that, someone that really liked you and someone that really believed in you. And you could feel it. You knew it. That they really liked you. They really thought you were uh, a talented person, a funny person, a smart person, a, you know, whatever it was. Uh, and that uh, this is the kind of person that you really wanted to be around. And as you're thinking about that, I'll give you uh, an example in my life. My third grade teacher, uh, Miss Anderson, and notice that married at that time, pretty, and uh, every, every boy in the third, including me. Uh, and uh, she was she was great. She didn't uh, require us to call her Miss Anderson. She uh, let us call her Teach. And uh, my uh, my dad was uh, concerned about that. He was a school administrator, and actually, uh, uh, you know, went back doors to find out if uh, really that was going on and acceptable. But uh, that really was going on. That's what she uh, allowed and everything. And I just loved her. She was great. And uh, very interestingly, made very great grades in third grade. Uh, <laughs> Now, my fourth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Schertz, first day of class, going through the roll, and uh, he says, Martin Fuquay. And I raised my hand, and I, I said, why, well, that's my name, but I actually go by Marty. And uh, he says, young man, Martin is your name, and you will be known as Martin in fourth grade. And... Uh, Interestingly enough, my grades weren't as good in fourth grade. <laughs> if, we really, uh, if we really believe that we're believed in and we, we like the person that likes us, oftentimes we, uh, we might even perform a little bit better. But do you have that person in your mind, someone who really loved you that way and uh, really uh, favored you, that uh, they, they, uh, they, you could just tell that they liked you? When Deuteronomy chapter 7 here, God is talking to his people and he's saying a number of different things to them about how he wants them to behave when they get to the promised land. And in verse 6 he says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. His treasured possession. You know, we all have things. But there's some things that we have that are treasured possessions. And there are other things that are just, they're tools, not trophies. We use them, and if they break or wear out, we're like, well, no big deal. I'll just go get another one. You know, you, you drop a plate. You know, the other day I dropped a glass, and it broke. And I'm like, eh, eh, no big deal. We bought it at Target anyway. And you know, we, we all have things like that in our home, don't we? We own them. They're, they're our possessions, but they're not treasured. We have other things that are treasured possessions. That we look at them, and even looking at them brings a smile to our face. We think, you know, that, that, that's cool right there. I'm really proud of that. We are God's treasured possessions. That's what he's saying to them. Try to help them understand how important they are. You know, really the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is an effort to try to get you to understand 
that God wants to have a relationship with you. Now, God knows everything about you. Jesus even said he knows how many hairs you have on your head. And for some of us, that's a moving figure. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, a lot of us in the room, we're in the, uh, you know, turned gray or turned loose hair, uh, you know, kind of a thing. Or you're growing hairs in other places where you never had hair, you know. You got hair growing out of your ear, you know. What's up with that, man? Who needs hair in your ear? So Jesus is subtracting the ones off your cranium and adding them back on your ear, maybe. You know, but he knows everything about you. That the Bible seat that he knows our very thoughts. But the Bible is 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 a, a whole book of trying to get you to understand that you need to know God and God wants you to know him. In Genesis 3, after, after the fall, after Adam and Eve have sinned, God is walking through the, through, through the Garden of Eden, and, he, and he, he says, Where are you? And in Revelation 3, he's knocking on the door. Let me in. God wants you to know him and to have a relationship with you. You're his treasured possession. I'm going to read a couple other passages. Of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But, you know, the world is a, a big number and a big place and a lot of people. And it's not necessarily personal, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. Look over to Romans 5, the passage that Mark read earlier. Great passage describing God's love for you and me. Beginning in verse 6, Romans 5. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, that's one of the descriptions of us, powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. There's another description. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. God demonstrates his own love for us and this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us so much that he provides for us when we were sinners, ungodly, and powerless. Look over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. As for you. Now, if you're an underliner in your Bible, and I know some of you are. A lot of you have electronic Bibles, you know, and you don't do this kind of thing necessarily. By the way, if you have an electronic Bible, don't be reading your email. And don't be text messaging during my message. And I know some of you knuckleheads are doing that right now. And you need to feel convicted that I called you out on that. You act like you're reading the Bible, but you're really doing something else. You, 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 you're talking during the lessons, what you're doing, okay? And you learn back in third grade when teachers speaking, you shut up. You know what I'm saying? But if you're an underliner in your Bible, this is where you circle you and, you and you draw a line out to the margin there where you have enough room to write and you write Marty. Not in your Bible, Marty. In my Bible, Marty. In your Bible, you write your name. As for you, you're trying to personalize this. You're trying to make this yours. 
As for you, as for Marty, you were dead in your transgression and sins. And when you used to live, and when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But look at this now. But because of his great love for us, for you, for me, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Because of his great love for us. Now, we're going to get a little bit later in the message talking about what kind of practical things that should do in our life. But I want, I want you to really get this. This is so crucial to understand how much God loves you. This is difficult for some people. You're not even sure God likes you. As a matter of fact, you're, you're pretty sure. You suspect that He doesn't. How could God like me? I have done so many things wrong. I have disappointed Him so many times. I, I have gone, uh, when He says, go to the right, I went to the left. When God says, don't do this, I did it. And we have guilt. That's why in, in the garden, why was God saying, where are you? Because Adam and Eve were hiding from God. We hide from God. We intellectually know that God loves us, but we have done things that make us feel bad about ourselves. Now, it may be possible that we have others here that you think God loves you always too much. And that's a whole other problem, a whole other sermon. But my experience over the years is that most of us, it's hard for us to really sort of marinate ourselves in the thought that God loves me. He likes me. He's attracted to me. He likes to spend time with me. He looks forward to quiet time just as much as I do because it's time that, that we connect on an energy level, a spiritual level, a connection. And God looks forward to that. God loves you so much. He sent His one and only Son. My one and only Son is here today. And I can tell you, there's not a one of you that I would trade for him. God gave his one and only son for you and me. But it's imperative for you and me that we personalize that. God had me in mind. You say, how can God have that kind of knowledge? It isn't important that you understand how God can love you. Do you understand? Is it important that you understand how that cell phone works? There's probably not a person in this room that can explain how that phone works. Maybe one really smart guy or girl out there. I don't know, you know. But most of us don't have the remotest idea how it works, nor is it important that we know. It just works, okay? 
God loves you. It's not important that you understand how God can love everybody the same. Just understand that it's true. God loves everybody the same. God is, is not impressed by anything you've done in your life in a sense that it impresses Him. You know, sometimes things are impressive because you realize they've done it and I can't do it. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I was at the track meet the other night that my son was coaching at, and I was watching some of these, these junior high athletes, and I was watching them run and, and, and do all the things that happened in a, in, a, in a track meet, and I was so impressed by some of them. I mean, wow, junior high kids running fast. Had a kid run uh, that uh, Ben Coaches had a, a, ran a 4.54 mile in eighth grade. Dang, that's impressive. I'm pretty sure I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it may be true that I never could do that. I don't know. I, I don't really remember running a mile and, and having a time on all that. But, you know, uh, it, it's not important. It's just important that you understand that God loves you. He's not impressed with you in a sense that you've impressed him by all that you are. You're not that impressive. God doesn't love you because you've earned his love. God loves you because he loves you. What a great passage of Scripture. Okay, now what do you do with this now? Once you do grow and, and understand God loves me, what kind of impact should it have on your life? How is this going to affect me if I really understand more that God loves me? Well, there's two different things that we're going to look at here. First of all, when God loves you that much, it helps you repent. Look over to Romans chapter 2. Now, repent is a religious word for change, right? It really means change. Are there some things in your life that you need to change? Well, I think probably almost everybody would say, yeah, there's some things I need to change. And that may be from A to Z, whatever they are. Soup the nuts, uh, you know, uh, of what it might be in your life or the person next to you of what we need to change. But we all know that we need to change. Some of us have a hard time changing. We know we need to change, uh, but we don't see the change come forth in our life. And, and we wonder, how can I be a better changer in life? When Romans chapter 2, we find out how you can do that. And it's really uh, tied into what we're talking about here. Romans 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. You, therefore, once again a personal passage, right? You, therefore, have, uh, have no excuse because you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge others, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. He's basically saying, hey, quit judging everybody around you. Not good to do that. I, I don't like to be around people who judge me, do you? That's just not a good feeling, that you're always getting judged. Hmm. 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 I mean, if I feel like someone treats me that way, I go to the other side of the room. Yeah, I just don't like to be around people like that. And, and, and nobody else does either. You know, it's hard not to make evaluation of somebody sometimes. You, you know, so you, you just notice things. You can't help but notice. You know, yesterday Ben and I went running by this lake over there by where he lives, and uh, there, there was some sort of uh, uh, a thing going on where, where people were running, and they had on all these outfits. And, I mean, they were sort of wild, bizarre, you know, looking kind of outfits. 
And, uh, you know, there's one particular one in my mind right now that uh, when I looked at it, what I thought was, I thought, did you look in the mirror before you came out of the house to go out in public with? But, uh, you know, uh, it's impossible not to notice things as we go through life. But on the other hand, it's probably not good to be always judging everybody. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what he's saying here. You know, quit being so dang judgmental about everything. And, and he goes on in verse 2. He says, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere a man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? And now here's really where we're going to uh, look at this. He says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Understanding how much God loves you will help you to change things in your life. God looks at us, and look at those three words right there. God's kindness, tolerance, and patience. Kindness. Being kind to people. It's okay to do kind. Tolerant. We always think of tolerance in the sense of yes, I need to be more tolerant of others. We, 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 we oftentimes don't really realize that that also would imply that people need to be tolerant of you. Yes, you. There are people in life that have to tolerate you. They have to make a decision. To treat you with tolerance because you annoy them. Oh, I'm a very tolerant person. Yes, and I'm tolerating you being tolerant, you arrogant dog. I mean, what's wrong with you? God, God treats us with kindness. With tolerance and with patience. Well, how can he be that way? How can she be that way? I can't take it anymore. Patience. We want people to be patient with us. We need people to be patient with us. But sometimes we are so impatient with others around us. God treats us with with patience. There's some of you here right now. You know that you need to be living a better Christian life. But you're not doing much about it. God is patient with you. He's being patient with you. Don't try His patience too far. But God treats us with tolerance, with patience. And what does that do? What does he say there? 
God's kindness leads you toward repentance. You know, you know the, the reason that some of us have such a hard time trying to change things in our life? Because we think the key to change in our life is more grit and gut and decisiveness. The reason I haven't changed is because I don't have enough conviction. The reason I haven't changed is because I'm not tough enough. The reason I haven't changed is because I, 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 can't, I can't make myself do it. If you will focus more on how much God loves you, how much God has been patient with you, how much God has been tolerant with you, it will give you the energy to change the things in your life because you will take a totally different perspective. Your perspective of change is not change for self-improvement. It's change because of a response to God's love for you. You don't quit doing it because you gritted yourself through it. You quit doing it because you know that God loves you and doesn't want you to live and be that way. And you say, this is just, I just can't be that way. God doesn't want me to be that way. And I want to be another way. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be the person that God wants me to be. He's loved me for so long. He's loved me through all this. He's loved me through all the bad I've done in my life. He's loved me through the times of my life where I've just been so wrong. He still loves me. Wow, I want to change. And I want to be what He wants me to be in life. And we, we grow to understand that God only wants us to change to become the better person that we can become anyway. You know, you can only be you. Sometimes people say, well, I, I feel so bad because I'm not changing like other people around me. It's not important that you change like other people around you. If other people are changing around you, then that's great, wonderful for them. You don't need to be. And this isn't a competition. Who can do it the best? This is not a track meet. We're not timing each other. Who changed the quickest? Oh, wow. He changed in 4.1. That's a state record right there. We're not, we're not competing with each other. It isn't a competition. It isn't who can look the best and be the best. It's just, what, what are you doing with what you got? God gave you what you have. If you were supposed to be more intelligent, you would have been more intelligent. If you were supposed to be taller, you would have been. If you were supposed to be a great singer, you, you, you'd be up here, but you're not. And, 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 we, and, we, and we all praise God that you're not because you came up one time and it was bad. <laughs> you don't have to sing as good as anybody. I find the people around me always doing this when I'm singing, you know. Why are they doing that? You are what you are. You don't need to be as good as anybody around you. You just need to be the best you. That's the need to be the best you. And let me throw this in for all of you. Quit worrying about what you did wrong or how, what you didn't think you did right or how you could have done better five or 10 or 15 years ago. There's nothing you can do about that now anyway. 
That is gone. You, you cannot re... You, you don't get to reboot. You, this is not a net serve thing in life. You have to live with what you've got. You can't live in the past. Ben and I were talking about this yesterday. There's times in our life where we look back and we say, Man, my life would be so much different if that had happened. Do you know what? If that had happened the way you wanted it to happen, you wouldn't be who you are today. Some of you wouldn't be Christians today. If you, if you could go back and change what you want to go back and change, you wouldn't be humble. Some of the defeats we have in life are necessary defeats because they get us to where we need to be so that we'll listen to God and listen to others. God's patience, guys, is a, is, is a big deal, and it helps us change what we need to change in life. And this other thing, and not only that we good to get to be good at repenting, we get to be good at renewal. Look over to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. If this is not one of your favorites already, it needs to be. You know, we all have our go-to scriptures. This is a good go-to scripture right here. It's a Psalm of David. He begins in verse 1. He says, Praise be to the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Isn't that interesting that we have an inmost being? The inner, the inner person is who we're talking about here. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. He's going to list them off now, all these benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Look at this. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now the first time I got to tell you I read that, I had no idea what that was talking about. It sounds great. Your, your youth will be renewed like the eagle. But you ask yourself, well, what? Youth is renewed? I'm not really an eagle guy. You know, most of us don't live out in the country and no eagles. David lived out in the country. He's making an analogy here about something. He's assuming that the, the audience understands what he's saying. But we don't live in a society that mostly lives out in the country. I heard an incredible stat the other day. I think it was in the 1940s in America, something like 90% of the people in America were involved in farming or something related to farming. In 2016, 3% of Americans are involved in the farming, living out in the country. And so we've lost some of the connections to things like this. What does he mean when he says that you're renewed like an eagle? Well, he's talking about the process of molting that an eagle goes through. And this is fascinating as I was reading it. And there's a lot of debate of exactly how it happens. And, and maybe some of it uh, happens with some eagles, but not all eagles or whatever. But this molting process, they get to an age in their life somewhere uh, around 30 years where their beak has grown to the point where it sort of goes and, and it's curved down. And they can't even eat effectively anymore. And so they begin to look ragged and bad. Their talons are all beat up and chipped. And they go, they're going to do one of two things right now. They're either going to die, or they're going to go through this renewal process that eagles can go through. And they start it by finding a rock up on a tall, high mountain, and they start beating their beak on that rock. Bam! 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 
until they break off their beak. And then it has to grow back. And the process of growing back and, and getting their strength in that area of their life, they begin to actually pull out their talons. Bite them off. Bite them out. Pull them out. Their, 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 their feathers have become so weighted that they have to pull their feathers out. And, and a molting eagle looks awful. Another fascinating thing happens. is that When this eagle is going through this process, the, the fellow eagles around him respond in either one of two ways. One way is they try to kill him. You ever gone through a hard time in your life and you feel like, man... I'm going through a hard time, and people, people are trying to kill me. I need some friends right here, and y'all are trying to kill me. And then there's other eagles that actually go out and kill little rodents and fly over them and drop them down. You can't do your own hunting right now. I'll do your hunting for you. But when this eagle finally goes through this whole process of molting, they, they have a new beak, they have new talons, their feathers grow back in, and they are beautiful. Like a young eagle again. I wonder in some of our lives if we don't need to go through a renewal time. That we've become a little old. And our, our feathers are, are, are burdening us and, and holding us down. Our talons are beat up and not effective as they used to be. Our beak has grown and we can't even eat well. And we just look a little shabby. Knowing how much God loves you helps you renew. See, David says, man, remember, remember all these things. God forgives all your sins, all of them. He heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. He pulls you back from the messes that you get your life in. I tell you, sometimes I feel like I'll go from one mess to another. I don't get one mess fixed up and I'm in another one. You ever feel that way in life? He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. Isn't that a great list? Forgives, heals, redeems, crowns, satisfies. And what's the result of all that? You are renewed. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say, man, you should have known me in the day. Well, why can't we see the day today? You need to renew. Be who you were in the day. But you know what? You'll never be that because you have to be what you were in the day and add in all the wisdom that you've collected along the way. The truth of the matter is, that, that molted eagle is a whole lot better than that young eagle. Because that young eagle is pretty and stupid. <laughs> Just like a lot of us were. Pretty and stupid. But that molten eagle, he is renewed. And he is pretty and wise. 
Isn't that an incredible story and understanding of Psalm 103? I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to go away today remembering how much God loves you. He loves you so, so much, and he wants you to love him and know him. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, where are you? He wants to have that relationship. And, and brothers and sisters and friends, once you get that, changing things in your life becomes so much easier. And renewing your life and renewing your spiritual self becomes the normal in your life and not the abnormal. Let's go away today with a good feel of God's love. Bow with me in prayer.